It's interesting, I was on stage with a gentleman earlier that talked about 15 month sales cycles. And I'll tell you what, if we had 15 month sales cycles, we probably wouldn't be a company. One thing I learned with, with one of the projects we did at Netflix is machine learning is hard. You know, we can't just rub some, some fairy dust on it and then it all works. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. Welcome to part two of our three-part mini-series with Colton Andrus, CEO and co-founder of Gremlin, recorded in New Orleans during Collision 2018. Colton talks about Gremlin's sales cycle in this episode, and we hear about how he applies the blast radius to product development and business in general. He also has some amazing advice for anyone running or thinking of founding a startup. Uh, would you describe yourself as a failure as a service company or a chaos engineering as a service company? Yeah, so chaos engineering is an interesting term, and it's one that's gained popularity recently, and I'm on board with it, but it's a bit confusing to some people. Uh, some people that are familiar with Chaos Monkey, they assume that chaos engineering has to be randomly breaking things. And we disagree with that. We think of it more of these thoughtful planned experiments that really reveal how the system behaves. So for that regard, um, I'm a fan of chaos engineering, but I don't know if that, we'll see where the naming goes over time. Failure as a service is fun. It's catchy. It, it reflects a bit of our rebellious nature in our brand. Like, yeah, we're gonna break things, and we're gonna do it as a service because we build SaaS businesses now. It's just how we own, operate, really provide the value. I don't wanna build 50 versions of Gremlin for every big company. I wanna build one version that incorporates all of that learning and knowledge into a single place. Okay. And do you, uh, do you find yourself playing a little bit with that kind of uh, punk rebellion type? Uh, uh, because, I mean, in a way you're saying, no, we don't, we, we, we don't break things randomly, we think about it, it's very sophisticated. Would you play a little bit with that, that kind of rebellious uh, image? We do, and I have, I have uh, I think I could say safely with my team's blessing, a team of, of a bit of misfits. We're not like your classic team. We, we've, we're all misfits in our own ways, but we're all a little bit different. And we all embrace a little bit of that counterculture rebellion that comes Ooh. with both being entrepreneurs and taking that kind of risk, but also in working in a space that, that can be tongue-in-cheek and have a good time and do serious engineering at the same time. Now, you're only, uh, you're only a couple of years old, I think since January 2016, and you've raised almost $9 million um, already, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, but the most impressive thing, I think, is the sort of clients you're getting. Um, apparently, you're working with Slack and helping them with uh, their code and some of the downtime. Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, at a high level, what you're doing with, with uh, that amazing company? So I'm not, I'm not working directly with Slack right now. We've gone and we've spoken to them. I think they're open to the idea. We did, uh, we were reached out to for comment because they're hiring a chaos engineering leader. And so certainly we think there's a lot of opportunity to help out companies like Slack. Um, other companies that might be on your radar, people like Twilio, Expedia. There's a couple of others that come to mind I probably can't say publicly. So, oh, okay. Um, some big banks, but, some big e-commerce sites. Oh. Uh, definitely some household names that 
care deeply about this type of resilience. Specifically e-commerce, you know, if your website is unavailable and you can't take someone's money, you're losing yeah. money. At, at Amazon, even five or ten years ago, that was costing us ten thousand to hundreds of thousands of dollars a minute. Oh and God. so there's some very large e-commerce companies that are customers of ours that care a lot about saving that money and, and building that great customer experience. Um, one thing I find with um, uh, the more technical uh, kind of SaaS-based companies that are, that, are, that are appearing these days is that they're very good at building communities. And um, because I think developers, they like to get together and they like to discuss things and work things out. Um, do you, you know, tell me a little bit about, uh, is, it, is it a chaos engineering community specifically, or tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think that building communities is just the right way to go to market with a product like this. We're building something a bit, a bit scary, a bit dangerous, a bit unknown, and it's new, you know. The idea, while it's been around 10 or 20 years, a lot of people just haven't put it into action in production yet, and so there's a lot to learn. And it's just a strength to be able to get a lot of people that are passionate about a cool topic together and learn from them, hear what they suggest, hear what they're doing. And one, one interesting aspect, it's been great to have the chaos engineering community. We talk a lot about these outages. We talk a lot about these on-calls. We talk about our experience as call leaders. And so there's a great overlap there. And I think I've realized that SREs and, and the ops people of the world, they haven't necessarily had a great place to get together and talk about it. One thing that strikes me is it, 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 it's probably a long sales cycle if you're, if you're in the kind of the upper mid-market or in the enterprise space. And dev teams uh, and IT teams can be very defensive. They can have a lot, of, uh, a lot vested in the architecture that they produced and the, and the code they produced. Uh, is that a really complex thing that you need to learn over time, how to interact? Is there a lot of politics involved? How's that been? It's interesting. I was on stage with a gentleman earlier that talked about 15-month sales cycles. And I'll tell you what, if we had 15-month sales cycles, we probably wouldn't be a company. <laughs> um, I also have joked to my team a few times that if Gremlin is successful or not, procurement is the next thing I'm going to go fix. Because procurement is atrocious. Uh, the inefficiencies there from an engineering perspective are just mind-boggling. They, they drive me crazy. But that being said, yeah, there's, there's a bit of politics, there's a bit of nuance. You know, as an engineer, we're able to show our product. We, we work with people to run a game day, which is a real-world failure experiment. We're able to get technical buy-off in, in the trial. That's not the problem we have. Then we, go, then we go and we talk to the business. Luckily for us, we've had some really great advocates who have been there to defend and to help us get through that. I think if we, if we didn't have a strong value proposition, if we didn't have advocates that really cared, I can't imagine how much more difficult that would be. Okay, okay. Uh, when, I, uh, when I interviewed uh, Edith, the, the CEO of uh, LaunchDarkly, I asked her you know, about you know, their sales cycle and, uh, and you know, feature flagging and stuff like that. And I said, you know, you know, have you hired sales staff? She said, no, I, do, I go in and do the sale myself. Is it the case with, with, with yourselves? Because it would be very technical, it would be a very deep conversation, quite a technical conversation. Um, do you actually have sales guys, or uh, how, does that, how, does, how does that work? Right, so last year I did all the sailing, selling. Okay. And, and from the beginning until, I'm still involved pretty deeply with our sales process, but we've hired some great salespeople that have helped us to scale the business. 
Okay. Part of that is marrying those salespeople with the technical resource because again, it's a very it's a very technical thing that we're selling and we're teaching something new. And so it's key for us. And so our our solutions architects, our customer success people, they we've worked with them in the past from Amazon, from Netflix. They're they're people that have felt this pain and they get it. And so that's been a that's been a core strategy of ours for being able to scale this in a genuine way. What gets you up in the morning, Colton? Uh, what drives you? What makes you uh, want to do what you do? I'm OCD and I, I don't give up on things. And I, I really, maybe it's a gamer in me, I really enjoy winning. And so, you know, here we are, we're in the startup world. Most startups fail in the first year or two. For a long time, trying to keep that balance of humility but hard work, you know, hey, this might be over next month, this might be over in a year, we gotta do what we can. Now we've, we've seen some success, we've got some longer runway, and so it's really the size of the opportunity. You know, can we go build something that, that really transcends just this one problem or this one space? Because at the end, it's about making the internet more reliable. You know, we live in a world now where if the internet is disrupted, if airlines go down, if websites go down, it, it materially impacts our, our happiness, it can impact our health, our convenience, our travel, our business. And so if I think about what's going to be important to my children and, you know, the generations to come, it's a, it's a reliable internet. This is a cornerstone of what we've built. And so I guess in the end, it's really about, it's really about that. And you know, building on that, your, your vision for the company maybe in, in the next three years, uh, it sounds like it's bigger than just going in and fixing things for, uh, for enterprise companies. Can you share any of that, how you, how, you, how you could see it iterating if you get to where you really want to get to? Yeah, we, we still haven't built all of the things that I want to build for the first, first stage of the plan. We've essentially built the things that I built at Netflix or at Amazon 10 years ago. So in my mind, we're dealing with 10-year-old tech. It's new to everyone else, to me it's old hat. There's some things that I built at Netflix that my team is working on now that we haven't yet released. And those are gonna be pretty exciting. And then it can go from there. I had uh, the opportunity to work with Peter Alvaro, who's a, he was at Berkeley, he's a professor at uh, Santa Cruz. And he came and was kind of my professor intern for a summer. We built this automatic failure testing system based on that platform that I built at Netflix. And so we haven't even gotten to that phase. You know, can we automatically fail your test? Can we automatically detect things that are gonna go wrong? And that's just this space, which I'm sure there's more to be done. And then there's, again, this SRE space where there's a lot of things that we took for granted at Amazon and Netflix that the rest of the industry doesn't know. And so I think there is a lot of opportunity to, to improve people's lives in that regard. So are you looking at uh kind of deep learning scenarios and pattern recognition and the ability for, for your system to self-learn and get better over time. Do, will you be generating enough data to, to do that, to think about that sort of thing in a couple of years? I mean, that's the dream, right? It certainly sounds good when you phrase it that way. And, and when you phrase such a question, how could the answer not be yes, right? But one thing I learned with, with one of the projects we did at Netflix is machine learning is hard. You know, we can't just rub some, some fairy dust on it and then it all works. Like there's a, lot of, there's a lot of effort that goes into that. And so I certainly am open to that, but I, I'm not gonna bank on it. It's, it's something to explore, something to experiment. It's actually to take uh, one of the chaos engineering principles and apply it to business as we often do. 
there's this concept of the blast radius. We want to always run the smallest experiment that'll teach us something. And if it works well, scale it up. If it doesn't work well, you've learned your outcome. Well, the same thing applies in business, whether it's AI and machine learning, whether it's remote by default culture, there's a lot of things that you can experiment with. And if they go well, you can lean into them. And if they go poorly, you can walk away from. If you were to give one nugget of advice to young and upcoming entrepreneurs in the SaaS world or in the tech world today, what's the one thing you'd, you'd impart to them? Two, two things come to mind. Okay, two is good. One is feel the pain. Whatever it is you're doing. So I did sales and I'm still heavily involved in sales. I've done marketing, I've done engineering, I've done HR, I've done payroll. I've done all of these aspects to my business and it really helps me to understand what I need to hire for when my employees are doing a great job. Feeling that, that pain I think is, is key to being a good leader. And then likewise, solve, solve for real pain. You know, so many people out there have some cool idea, they wanna build some cool thing, but really we wanna be able to provide real value. And to provide real value, you have to go out and find pain. And I got to see this pain firsthand, being a call leader, being an engineer, and that really allowed me to, you know, in the beginning, this didn't seem that sexier or exciting. It was like, look, I'm just gonna, I, look, this is what we need to do to get our jobs. We're gonna solve it and then we'll move on. Oh, it turns out everybody has this pain and everybody needs to solve this. And then all of a sudden, you're into something exciting. So yeah. don't be caught up in the glitter and the gold. Look for value. In the third and final episode, Colton and I talk about how we both got kicked out of high school and the challenges of having kids in a world full of consumer electronics. Colton goes deeper into his personal life. He's a father of five who married the girl next door. He waxes lyrical about dreams of lane splitting with his motorbike through driverless cars on the highway. And I drive a motorcycle lane splitting in California. And so there's a part of me that, again, the rebellious nature, I'm gonna be the hacker on the motorcycle <laughs> where all the self-driving cars are going around me and I get to just kind of do what I want. And so I think when we get to the point that people can focus on whatever they care about and let, let someone else do the drive, let someone else do the work, I think that'll be a, a net gain. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thank you to Ketsu for music provided under a Creative Commons license. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoy the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.